Um, <laughs> I'm Michael Christopher Koji Honks, and I am the localization director on Final Fantasy XVI. Uh, I'm Ben Starr, and I play Clive Rossfield in Final Fantasy XVI. I'm Jonathan Case, and I play Joshua Rossfield in Final Fantasy XVI. I'm Nina Indis, and I play Benedicta Harmon in Final Fantasy XVI. What in the localization process of Final Fantasy XVI is different from the localization processes in other Final Fantasy games? When I, I first joined the project, when there was still only, I think, like 30, 40 people back at the time, it was right after, it was right before, almost about six or seven months before Shadowbringers came out. Um, Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers came out. I had slowly transitioned off and came over onto the the 16 team, um, and uh, the first thing they told me is that we're going to do English recording first. And because of that, because English is going to be that source language, that even though um, this, the whole script has been written um, by the writer Mahiro-san, um, that English is going to be recorded first. And so because of that, things would have to change um, flow-wise, um, how we usually do so. Usually it would be like the Japanese is written, the Japanese is recorded, then the English takes that record or translates to match what's going on in the Japanese voices and then it's recorded to match the Japanese lip flaps and the motions and everything but this time it's because the English is first it's a matter of first we localize the script then we go over that translation with the director we did every single line in the script and said okay this is how we've translated this this is how we've translated this this is what we wanted to do differently here this is what sounded more natural in English um, we changed, we moved lines around, we expanded things, we contracted things. Um, and based on that, the Japanese updated their script to better match the English changes that we had made. And then we went in and we did the recording. Um, and because the recording was English first, we weren't going off of anything. So we had a lot of freedom to let you know, the actors kind of create the characters and um, adjust things. And so we would like record some lines and after we did the recording, it would be, okay, we did this here. I think now this sounds more Clive than what we had. And we would change lines um, based on their performances because we were learning about who the character was as we were recording. And so the lines became more and more refined. And then when new content would come in, it would be like, um, you know, you would write the line and then for the stage direction, be like in the voice of Clive or like <laughs> Clive-esque or Joshua-like. And that's all we would have to write because they would know exactly kind of what we meant. It's amazing how much like work you had to put in to give us the freedom that we need to do our job. Yeah. <laughs> we, we like through this entire process we've been talking about. We were given so much freedom, they gave us so much bandwidth, they kind of accept the characters however we want. And there's just all of this machinery that you're Oh, oh yeah. yeah, it's all yeah. Just in, kind of in the background. And then once, their voices are on the page, and then it's about the Japanese taking, and then basically doing what the localization team has been doing at Square Enix for the past 20 years is that now they have to kind of adjust to the yeah. English. And so they were in the studio rewriting lines in the studio to kind of match their performances. And so the Japanese performances were kind of lining up with what happened in English. And that is something, at least at Square Enix, that really hasn't happened in the past. I think Last Remnant was the only game, mm -hmm. really, that we did English first. And yeah. then Last Remnant, Takai-san. And so yeah. he had that kind of connection there. And he wanted to do that again. And so I think that um, having a lot of freedom to be really creative and have these ideas and not just be like, okay, I got to match this, but being able to work with my Hiro-san and say, okay, in English, we kind of want to do this. He's like, that's a really good idea. Let's change it to this in the Japanese as well. And it becomes this kind of really organic thing that rather than having a source language and a localization or localized languages, you kind of have this kind of 
hodgepodge that's like, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes the English is the source, sometimes the Japanese is the source, and neither of them feel like they came before the other. And I think that's why they both really work well. And um, so it's really cool that like a lot of players are playing, you know, they'll play f through the first time in English and they'll play through the second time in Japanese and they'll like them both, yeah. which is really amazing. I think going off of that and honestly hearing the freedom that you all had with your characters and really informing how they become, um, I do want to ask, when we look at franchises that have existed for so long, I think we forget that sometimes the, the most recent game will be the first time somebody makes a memory about that franchise. And so I wanted to ask for each of you, um, in bringing your characters to life, how does it, have you ever thought about being somebody's first Final Fantasy memory? And how does that make you feel to be, you know, embedded in this legacy now? It's all I ever think about. Yeah. <laughs> I think as a, as a person who Final Fantasy changed their life yeah. in every way, um, from knowing that this was Final Fantasy 15, I think it was always at the back of my mind. Sometimes it was the front of my mind. And that was like an inner demon that maybe I had to shape off through that. because, um, And I was fortunate enough to, because we did it for so long that it became just me and about five other people secretly making this game. But knowing that this game is going to introduce people to what I think is probably one of the most important franchises in any media mm -hmm. um, with... Uh, how daring a lot of the storytelling is, the amazing worlds. I know personally that Final Fantasy VIII changed my life and introduced me to some of the most amazing characters, not just in that game, just onwards. I think yeah. just knowing how passionate the fan base is and how even if you aren't a fan of one game, is deeply in love with another. Mm -hmm. I think that is just the power of what Final Fantasy is. Um, and knowing that there are people, we had them yesterday, would say this is the first time I played a Final Fantasy game, and then I'm just going, mm. I, do I have a list of games? Yeah. <laughs> because it's just that's what we that's what you want. This has a 36 year legacy, but right. yeah. which is mad, and we're a part, we're a part of that. Yeah. I constantly think of the the, uh, the Dissidia image of all of the Final Fantasy protagonists, in yeah. one second. and when I saw that, I thought, God, Clive's going to be a part of that. It's, it's not confirmed. We're not having any confirmation. <laughs> no, no, I don't mean in any way Dissidia, but Clive is a part of that pantheon of characters now. Yeah. And then in doing so, we've also, you know, you guys, we have created these characters that are going to stand alongside some of the amazing characters in the Final Fantasy franchise, and hopefully they'll just discover them as well. Yeah, it, like, it's the, the, one of the most unusual, most exciting days on any job I've done. Yeah. Was you know I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say probably like three four months into recording I can't remember who it was I actually won't say in case <laughs> they get in trouble but someone was like you know what game you're in right and I was like no of course I don't like nobody's told me <laughs> and they didn't say by name but they strongly hinted what it was and I was like oh wow like you know you know that I I got the job I was excited to do uh you know, brilliantly written video game, mm -hmm. had been doing that, and then found out what it was, and exactly that, you know, realizing the impact of the franchise, and I mean, how amazing it to, to be in something that might inspire someone to delve into that lexicon of work, like it's, yeah. it's just, it's, it's so powerful, it's... Um, I think also, like, um, I mean, I'm not going to speak on behalf of Nina, but like, but there are some people who 
weren't necessarily um, uh, aware of what the power of this franchise is going to be and how we're all now suddenly, even me knowing what it was going to be, going, oh my God, people really like this. Um, <laughs> and how much it's affecting people, I think that's kind of you know, taking me a little bit by surprise. Yeah. I mean, I have to say, um, I came into this process totally naive. Mm-hmm. Uh, had no clue of the impact of the of this game. No, no idea. Even when you guys told me it was Final Fantasy, uh, like I think it was the last day of recording. I was like, so can you guys tell me what what this is now? <laughs> or I, th- I think maybe I knew like that the trailer had come mm-hmm. out, but it just didn't click in my brain. It didn't click because I'm not, I I'm not a gamer. I've never really played video games. Uh, it's never been something that I've delved into. And so when 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 you guys said it was Final Fantasy, I just thought, thought okay, cool, yeah, I've, I've heard of that, I've heard of that. Okay, didn't think anything of it. Then, you know, our names were announced. Again, I didn't really think that much of it. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Then suddenly, my cutscenes, a lot of my cutscenes were published in like February or January yeah. or February. Mm-hmm. And my social media just went like, Boom. <laughs> People tagging me. I was like, what, what is going on? And I think I asked David, uh, who plays Barnabas, I was like, what, 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 what's going on here? He was like, yeah, yeah, that, like, they were, they've released the cutscenes. At that time, I didn't even understand what a cutscene meant. Like, I didn't quite understand. Like, it, I'm, that's how naive I was. And then um, uh, before the London launch, uh, you, we had a phone conversation, and I was like, "Ben, what is going on? I'm so, yeah. I'm so confused." And you were like, "You know, you have no idea how impactful your character is going to be," because I didn't think of it that way. I was like, "Well, she's, yeah, we recorded for a while, but I, she didn't strike me as a huge like character." Mm-hmm. And then you were like, "You just you wait and see what people are going to mm-hmm. say and how this is going to affect people." Again, it didn't quite sink in until I think we went to LA with the launch and I got to meet everyone, meet mm-hmm. all of the fans, people coming up crying to me. That to me that is just mind blowing. And now it's like started to sink in that, wow, this is such a big deal. And I had no idea. And I feel so grateful for the fact that I had no idea yeah. because I didn't carry the weight of responsibility ever. Mm-hmm. So I, f- <laughs> I feel really, really lucky that I didn't yeah. have that added sort of stress. You and I have exactly the opposite We have story the opposite story. I, I remember talking to you on the phone about it and, and just how wonderfully, wonderfully unaware, innocent you were to all of it. And going, um, yeah, I mean, okay. And then going, honestly, you, have, you genuinely have no idea how impactful your character's going to be. And then we went to LA and you just saw multiple Benedict cosplays. Yeah, it was, it was insane. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's been, it's been really amazing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm happy that people like it. Yeah, oh my God. Yeah. I think what I really love and I, why I was really excited to interview um, on the localization side and the voice actor side is I do a lot of work in international media personally. And there is a lot of, um, there's levels of involvement and skill to both sides of the craft in bringing something to life in a way that a lot of people may not see or understand how many things have to move to get that story across and to one, make it mean something in multiple languages 
and two, to give performances for your region or your area in a way that sticks just as you know um, hard as uh, live action performances and everything like that. So I want to ask both sides of the table. Um, when it comes to voice acting, you know, you all have a difficult job of giving the emotion and the action and the dynamism in your voices without the ability to use your bodies. Can you kind of like, for anybody listening to this, to understand the skill that goes into that craft? Lou and was then, definitely using her body. Yeah. <laughs> I was jumping. I was That's amazing. Yeah. We got a little bit of cloth noise and then we're going to take <laughs> <Yeah>. it behind <laughs> again. Every time. <laughs> and see those elements. Like, so it's kind of speaking to that skill and what you bring into those booths yeah. when you record. I learned on the job hugely, I think. Um, Morgan, one of our performance directors, was very honest with me. He was like, you are so much better. <laughs> I was like, what? He was like, no, no, you were good at the start. You were good at the start. But you understood. And I, I, I see it. I see, like, um, I was trying to explain to Ben yesterday. I think there, there are some, we, we re-recorded some bits for multiple reasons, you know. Um, and there are some that stuck from my first few sessions. They're good, they're, but but I I, was, I listened to some of them and I was like, oh, this, it's, it's a little bit. You know, I, I thought I was. I think those initial sessions, I was like trying to be truthful, trying to be, um, you know, not sound. It's heightened language, but you don't want to sound truthful through, through that language. Mm -hmm. Sound like a real person, and there was a sense of like it was a little bit flat. May, I'm, maybe I'm being too hard on myself. <laughs> what I love like, you are the great thing is. Is that no one can hear that, and I no, think we're all incredibly not being, hard on ourselves. Absolutely, and I'm not. I'm, and I'm not being hard on myself necessarily here. It was just interesting to, to be like, okay, well, what I'm I'm learning is, it, it sounds almost so obvious, but you have to, in, in, kind of inject what you're saying with more of that, mm -hmm. while still wanting to keep it as truthful, mm -hmm. so that it, it carries through. Um, it's, it's really difficult it's to so describe. Every, every, every line has to be the most important line you've ever said, but also it has to be just thrown away. And um, there are times when, you know, Koji's spoken about this, where sometimes you would do eight lines in a session, sometimes I would do 150, because you just sit sometimes. Sometimes you're going, I am, I am climbing uphill here, and I just, I, I'm essentially up sheer creep without a paddle. I don't know what I'm doing. And you're working incredibly hard. And then sometimes there are sessions where you're just steering it. Mm -hmm. And the entire stuff flows. And you are so in tune with your character. And you've got that, that just in, incredible alchemy that, that between the director and the, and the team. And you are just moving. And some of the best work that I've done on this game, I didn't really think about because I didn't need to think about it. Mm -hmm. Because it was just completely flowing. You had that emotional connection. But I do think... I've been interested because I'm not a voice actor. Mm -hmm. I'm an actor who just happens to voice mm -hmm. and also do the facial capture for this character. And I think we that's given, all three of us. Yeah, we, we were, yeah. All, yeah. We were all given yeah. that freedom. Really. And so I would sometimes just come in sessions and just do facial capture for it. So just Clive reacting to stuff. And so that did give us a lot of freedom. And physically, yeah. those are some of, the hard, some of the hardest work I've ever had to do because Clive does a lot of shouting um, <laughs> and he does a lot of grunting. And you'd see me in some of these sessions. I'd pace around the room. You'd say I'd pace, and you'd, you'd run up, and then you'd go like that, and then go back, and then you'd do another session. And those are exhausting things. Yeah. But when it comes to those intense lines, it's that. It's I have to sum up this entire character in this one line mm. and make it seem like I'm not. And, <laughs> and that is an impossible task that can only really be felt. Mm. It can't be 
support. Um, and yeah. we all learn, I think, to be better through this process. Yeah, 100%. I think with, like, um, especially like film and TV, for instance, we, we have our faces, we have our body language, mm -hmm. we're using all of that, as well as our voices, mm -hmm. whilst in video games, you only have, you have to use all of that, all of that has to come across in your voice, which is, it is really tough. And, and the more you do it, the better you become. Mm -hmm. um, I think for me, I'm, I always think about like my training because mm -hmm. uh, I don't think before I went to drama school, my, my voice wasn't versatile whatsoever. And then you spend lots of time just doing like breathing work, breath work. I did like musical theater. I was trained in how to uh, convey emotions through like heightened language. Um, so yeah, I, I'm thanking my training, previous training for that because I don't think I could have been able to perform the way that I did without, without it. Um, I will say that one thing that I've really noticed that people really complimented about Benedicta was the way how expressive like the wrinkles on her face were and how like like yeah mm -hmm. no, but it, and we got we were able to get that through the fact that we were given the gift of performance capture yeah. when it comes to face yeah that was it that was amazing and she seems so human because of that because you can just see kind of those changes and shifts mm -hmm. yeah that does come from your performance yeah uh, one of my lessons i had to learn really quickly um with the face capture <laughs> yeah, um, i remember <laughs> yes um, every time i like finished i would like lick my lips ah! <laughs> I would yes. be like, I'd be like, that was really good. I think I was, you know, it was also quite dry in the room. Yeah, like, it was know, definitely. Whatever. whatever. Oh, um, wow, but I'd be like, okay. done, lick my lips to like <laughs> signify that I was done. And it, it was like, okay, well, that's thanks that entire thing that you just did because <laughs> yeah. Joshua just then licks his lips and <laughs> like we have talking to. about something yeah. really Surely soon. Because we'll, it'll, it'll be the same. You'll, you'll do a line a couple times. You're like, okay, we're kind of getting there. And then you'll, after about, you know, that five or six, seven minutes, you'll get that line and the take is perfect. And you're like, yes, that's it. And then Fred will be like, <laughs> yeah, this again. Like, okay. Um, There's a little bit of something in that. Yeah, yeah we yeah, gotta yeah. retake that again. And it was eventually, like, I think it was just like, this is happening. Just so you know. <laughs> so you know. I was like, okay. No, no, no. Yeah. But I mean, that was like just the first. But again, it was that like kind of that learning process. Absolutely. And yeah. and, and then towards the end, you know, he, was, he wasn't licking anything. <laughs> he was licking the right stuff. <laughs> I, do, I do think that like self sabotage though was a thing. Again, we're just working on this for such a long time. There were times where I Did would... Did you self-sabotage? Pardon? I was deliberately awful in the game, so no one would like No, no, like, <laughs> you, like, would you, like, you would throw a line take. and then throw a, throw a take because you didn't like it and you didn't want us to say, oh, that was good, like, we're going to take no, it? No, I would... I mean self-sabotage. Man, you did it. Yeah, no, I, I, what, I mean, what I mean is that is I wanted that... Sometimes I put pressure on a line and I wanted it to read a certain way. And I was so lucky because you guys would just let me kind of just go off on one. I'd be like, can I do this, try this? And they'd let me try one. But sometimes if I didn't think it would work, I, halfway through a line, I would just go, no, it's not working. And mm. then it'd be amazing how I'd hear go, no, no, Ben, that was the right thing that you want to do. And, mm. and sometimes that fear of going off, you're thinking, oh, I'm not actually in control of this. I'm, I'm doing something that I wasn't sure of. And you just go, no, that's rubbish. I'm rubbish. Please ignore me and let me go and die in a hole. Um, but <laughs> I think as the process went on and we all got, got more comfortable, we had more freedom to go, I am going to try that. Yeah. And the best takes that we get in the game, the ones that people like, are the ones that we went, oh, let's just try something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we would like usually, do, we would do like a line, you'd like just give us like five of them. Mm -hmm. And then we'd just like, just thank you, Gav. 
Thank you, Gab. Thank you, Gab. Yeah, that, that, that one, that one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like it was such a magical third take. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, also another skill that's like, sometimes you are just like trying to find this, the, the sort of the most rich version of the, of the take. And sometimes it will be like, you know, like Ko Koji might be like, could we get the thank you from three and the reply <laughs> from one? And I'll be like, go off, guys. Like, and, 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 you know, here. Yeah, you'll be like, oh, that is yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got really proficient by the end of the process of doing what we call the Franken line, yes. where I would give where you, yeah, you take that, you go like, I want that bit from there and that bit from there. And every time we do it, I go, people are going to feel like real idiots when they found out I didn't do that in one take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take full credit, but thank you. <laughs> and on the, loca yeah. the localization side, uh, if just what would you want players, fans to understand about the localization process and kind of the, the, the work that goes into really creating something for them in their region? I mean, I think it was, it was just that um, we had a lot more freedom than I think localization usually does. Mm -hmm. um, I think localization for a lot of projects, um, it just ends up kind of being an afterthought. Um, mm -hmm. They focus so much on the main game and the main language, and then it's like, okay, localize, localizers, do your thing. You can, and there really isn't a lot of communication between the teams and the localizers, just because that's how it's set up. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of companies use outsourced translators because it's hard to have an you know, yeah. internal team um, sometimes. And so, because of that, you, you just get this kind of disconnect. Because, and again, it's not the localizer's fault. Um, there's this sense of uh, they just. Um, you know, they have to guess and do yeah. their best, um, and they're doing their best with very little information. I think yeah. a lot of times people think that, you know, that the localizers are right there. Maybe they're not a lot of times, mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of guesswork. And that's why a lot of, there's a lot of little things that don't really match up. And again, it's not because the localizers are necessarily bad. It's just they don't have that connection yeah. um, with the team. With Final Fantasy 16, I mean, I had... Um, you know, the opportunity to sit right next to the main scenario writer. I was with um, the quest team and the writing team in Square Enix, um, myself and John Taylor. Um, you know, I, he, like, every day I've been asked, is like, so he's your assistant. It's like, he wasn't my assistant. He was the other half of me. It was just mm -hmm. me and John doing all of this. And he's such an amazing translator as well. And we just kind of went in. We had full access to the team. We were able to go in and, and be creative and say, you know, we would get the things like, okay, I see the direction you're going here in Japanese, mm -hmm. but Japanese is a very different language than English um, yeah. grammatically and structurally. So things, you know, which sound natural in Japanese in this order sound more natural this mm -hmm. way in English. And um, the whole thing was that the, the, the director and the producer were like, we want this to sound natural in, in English. And so if you have to move things around that change things a little bit from that structure, that's okay because we want people to think that this is kind of started in English. And mm -hmm. the same thing was for the Japanese as well. They wanted people to feel that it originated in Japanese as mm -hmm. well. So it's trying to find this happy medium where it sounds natural in all of the languages. It's impressive. Um, I hadn't even thought about the fact that it's, it's archaic language as well, but people having these very like personal conversations. And that, I, I don't know, I'm curious how that Well, happened. I mean, that was, that was so, <laughs> um, for the, for, for example, like Final Fantasy XIV, um, that wasn't originally a voiced game. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to go, it was going to be more just players were going to read the text. Yeah. And when it's read, you have to put that voice in your head. So we decided to go a little bit heavier on the fantasy and the ye old mm -hmm. in that because we knew people were going to be reading it that way in their heads and we wanted them to read it that way. Um, but with this game, um, because it's all voiced, if you go 
too overboard with the fantasy language, then it just sounds like, you know, a couple kids at a Ren fair doing their best. <laughs> it really does. And, and we didn't want that. And so we were trying to look at, um, like, for example, television shows um, and movies that kind of did that, that had this very archaic feel, but the language still felt accessible. Mm -hmm. And so we looked at, um, so whereas Final Fantasy XIV was more of a, a Song of Ice and Fire books, mm -hmm. 16 was more um, a Game of Thrones television show, or Last Kingdom um, yeah. is another one that we went. It's, it's again, it's stuffed, it's very old, but it feels accessible, but it doesn't feel modern. So like one thing that we did in the, in the localization with, at least with the language, we tried not to use any turns of phrase or language that was yeah. post 18th century. It's all, but still make that sound like you're not going over the top. It still sounds natural and flowing, but also we're not using any turns of phrases that are too modern. And so we just had you know, the Oxford English Dictionary open all of the time. Yeah. Whenever someone would say something, like, you know, say something, it would be like, okay, let's check that phrase. Oh, that's 1899, you know, New York, we can't use that. Mm. Um, and then we would cut it out, try to find a different turn of phrase, but not one that was too unknown that people would be like, what's going on here? It still had yeah. to fit, but it had to be Old, so it felt natural, and then I mean, I hope that you really had to thread the needle because I, um, at the same time, as recently played a couple of other uh, role playing games that are not voiced, and I, and I loved playing role playing games. Um, and I really noticed when I was playing one recently, and when it's not voiced, how much they can get for free. They can do so much exposition, you can yeah. characters can say stuff because in your head you think it sounds natural, but when you say it out loud it doesn't. And yeah. I even joked around, yeah. I was like, oh, I'll read it out loud when I'm doing it and thinking, wow, this would be impossible to do. So at the same time, what you have to do is give everyone exactly the same information that you normally would in a role-playing game, or the information, or the backstory, or the lore, but it has to sound like a human being would say it. And when you voice something to the extent of Final Fantasy XVI, when you create it as cinematically, yeah. you have to be far more um, economical in the way that you tell that story and it was amazing to watch the process that you went through to allow us the facility to be as human as possible whilst giving people as much information but still be invested in the characters. And it didn't end with just translate. It ended in the studio because there were times yeah. where we would give the lines and we'd have gone over it like a hundred times and this is the best. And then I'd be like, I oh, know, I think I should say it like this. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's actually what <laughs> say it. And, then, and then we changed the line there. And, and so it was just that because we had heard it in our heads, we had said it out loud, we had talked about it, we'd say, this is the most natural, and then you get the actor to actually do it, and they're like, oh, it wasn't natural, but it was better this way, and okay, let's change it like that. Uh, so my last question is, when, uh, when a player goes through Final Fantasy XVI, they hit the credits, what do each of you want, some, want them to take away? It can be from your performances, or um, maybe the things that resonated with you. Mine is, um, so when, when people roll credits on the game, I get a lot of people messaging me like immediately. I will often have people say, Ben, I finished the game 35 seconds ago and I wanted to write you this letter. <laughs> and that happens a lot, which is great because clearly what, the story resonates with people and people mm -hmm. went on the journey mm -hmm. with Clive. Um, I want people to feel like they are better able, I've said this a few times, better able to understand whatever they're going through in their real life, if they see that reflected in Benedicta, or they see that reflected in Jill, or Mid, or Sid. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. And I want people to 
maybe have a little bit more of a grasp on their own life through playing that game because that's why I play video games. I play video games to escape, but I also play video games to comprehend. And those are the two things I need to both be grounded and have that escape. And if people can have that and they can take that away, not everyone needs to do that. But even if it's a small group of people, then that's what I really hope people take away from it. Yeah. Um, I think without talking about the end of the game at all. Um, <laughs> There's a lot of very important, very um, heavy emotional stuff mm -hmm. that myself and other characters have to do. And I think, like Ben said, my ideal would be that, that the player is able to suspend their disbelief uh, enough to be immersed and moved by all of that, um, but also moved in a way that you're able to relate to your own life or um, feel a kind of really honest connection with, with the emotional arc of the story. Um, and I mean, I actually haven't played the game, I've just watched all the cutscenes. <laughs> Have you actually watched all of them? I would say, you did. Yeah, I would you... say probably 60%. Wow. Um, I spent about nine hours over yeah. two days watching um, And, you know, obviously, I'm probably slightly biased, but I don't think that much. Um, and I, you know, I was, inc I was incredibly touched and, and um, very emotional watching the end of, of this intricate, but also very, I think, simple in terms of its message story. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I would want people to feel the same as I did. And when you sent, you sent me a clip of the, of the credits. Yeah, yeah. Of your name in the credits. You're yeah. done, done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that exactly. You know, it's the same thing that Ben said. Like, I just was like, it's like it's like when the credits roll in the cinema, and everyone's like, you you exit in silence, but you can tell that sometimes there's an energy of that collective, like mm -hmm. held, you know, and you want to talk about it immediately. Yeah. Um. I think by voicing a more villain uh, character, for me, what I would what I would love for people to take away, and also just you know having the responsibility of voicing a villain character that might mm -hmm. come across a certain way to people, uh, is for people to understand them and have more empathy in the end, and sort of reflect upon the fact that. Everyone is the way that they are for a reason, and I feel like if if the world was more open to like seeing different perspectives of things, humans would just be kinder to each other, mm -hmm. and then you know um, we wouldn't have as much conflict. Um, so, yeah, I I hope that that's what players will take away from Benedicta's journey, and. Um, and that they can emote with her and feel with her by the end. I personally hope that they take away Galaxia. Um, yeah. this, we have this wonderful world um, that was created by hundreds of people, um, you know, from the art, the design, the stories in it, to the lore in it, um, to the voices and the people in it. Um, it is complete world and it is a wonderful place I mean a lot of terrible things happen yeah. <laughs> but it is a wonderful place and um, you know how people go to Italy uh, for holidays you know or you know go to Texas you know to see their friends or whatever and then come back and have that experience as I visited this place 
that hopefully people can take Valestia as like I visited this place and it was wonderful. I have all these memories there, and they can take that you know to their when they're eight years old. They'll tell their grandchildren, <laughs> "Hey, when I went to Rosaria, I was I saved the world." <laughs> okay, Grandma. Let's go see the bed. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for your time today and your conversation. It was really awesome to hear and. I love Final uh, Final Fantasy fourteen specifically, kind of how you said like Final Fantasy changed your life. Final Fantasy fourteen got me through the start of the pandemic and connected me to people in a way that I didn't have at the time. So I think it was awesome to hear all of y'all's stories of being a part of this and, and your work, obviously, on, on this and also on that game. <laughs> uh, so thank you for your time today. Thank you.